This is Bible Studies to Russ, study number 42, Matthew 26, verse 69 and following. Uh, previously, we concluded looking at, uh, this is building up to the denial of Peter, or Peter denying Christ. Uh, we have seen Jesus before the Sanhedrin. Uh, we have seen him being betrayed. We have seen uh, his arrest and betrayal, and now his betrayal arrest before Sanhedrin, and now we move into his look here in Peter's section uh or in, in this section here, Peter denying Christ. This also can be found in Mark fourteen, sixty-six through seventy-two, and Luke twenty-two, fifty-four through sixty-two. And I also have some references here in John eighteen, fifteen through eighteen, and John eighteen, twenty-five through twenty-seven. Uh, so we're gonna read all these verses here, sixty-nine through seventy-five, and then we'll come back and comment on them. Looking at verse 69 in Matthew 26, reading from the New King James says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it. Uh, but he denied it uh, before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Uh, verse 71, And when he had gone out to the, to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Verse 73 of Matthew 26, And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also were one of them, for your speech betrays you. Uh, in uh, verse 74, Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Um, if you look here in Mark's account, I mean, it's uh, Mark's account in Mark 14, verse 66 and following. It says, Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when, he saw, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also are with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, and began to say to those who stood by, this one, this is one of them, but he denied it again. A little later, those who stood by said, said to Peter again, Surely you are, you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And so it kind of explains a little bit how why we have those words there in Matthew. They began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. That's, math, that's Mark's account in Mark fourteen sixty six through 72. And so in Mark's account, you have the rooster crowing um, in verse 68. And then you have it crowing again the second time in verse 72. If you look at Luke's account in Luke 22, beginning in verse 54, it says, Having arrested him, they led him away, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter said among them, And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by, sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little, after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are, with, are one of them. You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this, also was, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. 
But Peter said, said, man, I don't know what you are saying. Immediately, he was still, immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and he, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, if you look here, if you back up just a second, Luke's account, Luke uh, 22, beginning in verse 54, uh, Peter followed at a distance. It would seem that, that Christ was able to see Peter, as we find there in verse 61. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Did Peter know, know that the Lord turned and looked at him? I don't think you can say he did in verse 61 from what we find here. We know the Lord turned and looked at him. But Peter, did Peter know the Lord was looking at him? No. Um, uh, well, it's not clear. The rooster crowed in verse 60. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And it seems that Peter's response is probably from the rooster crowing, not from the Lord looking at him. Peter was still at a distance. Perhaps he saw him turn and look at him. Perhaps not. But he remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, he would me three times. So Peter went out, verse 62, and wept bitterly. Luke 22, 54 through 62. And so what does Luke do? Or excuse me, what does uh, Peter here do? He fulfills the prophecy by denying Christ three times. Um, and we find here he denied him, the rooster crowed. Uh, after the first denial, as we saw in Mark's account, that grew the second time after his third denial. Uh, and we know the Lord looked at him, according to Luke's account. Uh, we know that Peter heard the rooster crow. We know he remembered the words of Christ. And then he wept bitterly, verse 75 of, Mark, of Matthew uh, 26. And so Peter, who was so adamant that he would never betray Christ, that he would never deny him, and Christ told him, you will deny me three times. And what happened? Peter denied Christ three times looking now at Matthew chapter 27 and I have here the heading Jesus is handed over to Pilate and Judas hangs himself and that's verse 1 uh, chapter 27 going through uh, verse 10 so verses 1 through 10 of Matthew 27 Jesus is handed over to Pilate and Judas hangs himself uh, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 27 when morning came all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Matthew 27, 1 and 2. And so it's interesting, you think about, and we have to remember, of course, that these things are according to prophecy. Christ was going to go to the cross and down the cross for all mankind, regardless of what men were doing in this occasion. But it's interesting that that it is that this group, and no doubt this is part of the prophecy as well, uh, but still is interesting that he's betrayed by so-called religious people. Look at verse twenty twenty. Or look at verse one of Matthew twenty-seven. All the chief priests and elders of the people, and it wasn't just people; it was the chief priests and the elders of the people who are plotting against Christ. Uh, these so-called religious people are the ones who are leading it. How sad. Um, next, in verses 3 through uh, 10, really deals with, with the hanging of Judas. And I have here, if you look at Acts 1, verses 18 and 19, I have here this uh, scripture reference out next to this. Says, um, in Acts 1, 18 and 19, says, Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. 
and became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, Echodama, that is, field of blood. Now that's Acts, 8, Acts 1, 18 and 19. Uh, this is a reference to Judas. So looking at Matthew's account, and uh, Matthew's account here, and verses 3 through uh, 10 of Matthew 27, says, And Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Uh, he was remorseful. Uh, he brought back the money. He realized that <laughs> he, has, he realized he had done something wrong, to put it mildly. Uh, the new king, or excuse me, the King James says, "Then Judas, which had which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought him brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders." Uh, the reference here, brother, pa- brother Patterson says here, as we mentioned before, brother Max Patterson says, the reference here is to remorse, not repentance. Judas sees that his action was guilty, and he gives him, and he gives way under the burden. This is also quoted from Kittle, another. Uh, another Bible commentator. The New King James translates verse 3 as remorseful, whereas the King James translates it as repented. Uh, The word remorseful here, according to the the Strong's, uh, it is a a care to one afterwards. Um, He says here, it repents one to repent oneself. Um, But the term here, now remorseful can lead to repentance. But being remorseful doesn't it does not necessarily mean that the person has repented. He was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver uh, to the chief priests and the elders. Um, Brother Patterson says here in the, the ordinary word for repentance in the New Testament, and he puts here the Greek word which I can't pronounce. He says this word means to change the mind, and the word used here in verse three um, is not that same word. Uh, if I'm looking at it correctly. And so that's why the word remorseful, uh, the idea of remorseful is more accurate. And yes, here, a further note on these two words. Compare Matthew 21:30. He answered and said, I will not. Backward he repented and went. We should know that this word is not, is not evil in itself. Uh, but he, he was what? He was remorseful. Uh, compare also 2 Corinthians 7, 8. For though I made you sorrow, sorry with the letter, I, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle had, hath made you sorry, though it were though it were for a season. Now rejoice that you were that not that you were made sorry, but that you that, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Verse ten: For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And that's Second Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. Peter had a true change of mind when he wept bitterly. G- Judas had only remorse that led to suicide. And how sad. It, it really is a sad situation. Um, and I've, heard, I've heard people say before, well, Judas was, was chosen you know, before all this took place for, to be his betrayer. And that's not entirely accurate. He was the one who was going to betray Christ because his character put him, made him the one who fits that description, his character. He didn't have to be the one who took money in the money box. He didn't have to be the one who was only concerned about the money. Uh, he didn't have to be the betrayer, but his characteristics, his traits uh, as a human being, his his personality and his attributes made him fit 
perfectly the one who would betray Christ. Um, he brought again 30 pieces of silver. Uh, will not by itself get Judas. This will not get Judas off the hook. Judas was sorry he got caught. It was more likely repenting of the consequences, not of the sin itself. And again, look at verse 3, repenting of the consequences, meaning he was sorry this was going to happen to Jesus, because why? Seeing that he had been condemned, and that that seems logical, right? He was sorry to see Christ being condemned. He wasn't really sorry that, or he wasn't truly repenting, it seems here in verse 3. Um, why did you, why, what Judas did did brought him to the brink of despair and he hanged himself 30 pieces of silver or shekels would amount to only a few dollars by our account uh, by our account verse 4 saying i have sinned uh saying i have sinned by betraying instant blood and they said what is that to us you see to it these guys were heartless man verse 4 what is that to us <laughs> you're guilty you feel like you've done something wrong that's all on you man uh what is that to us you see to it these guys had they were heartless they were cruel. They were full of so much hate. They just, they, they used Judas. That much is very, very clear. But now they're abusing him by saying, when he comes to them and says he has sin betraying innocent blood, they're saying this man's innocent. He doesn't need to be condemned. He doesn't need to be killed. And that's what he's implying here, right? And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. You feel guilty. You feel bad. That's your own fault. Cold hearted. Stone cold, verse 4. Um, he says he has, he has, uh, you know, betrayed, he says, innocent blood. Um, some say this is a belated confession, but notice it is not made to God or to Jesus. Um, this confession of Judas is a remarkable proof of the innocence of Jesus. Judas regretted what he did. He made a confession he had sinned and that is lied, and then went out and hanged himself. Um, you want Judas's story to end differently. Um, but prophecy reveals that wasn't going to happen either, uh, or so it would seem. Uh, to my knowledge, that was not going to happen either, that he was going to end up being uh, the one who who hung himself. He was going to be the one who uh, did not do what was necessary to make himself right with God. He felt guilty, but it did not produce repentance. He felt sorrow, but it did not lead to repentance. Like we mentioned earlier there in First in St. Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, um, Judas, no doubt, was hurting, and rightfully so, right? I mean, he betrayed Christ. He says in verse 4, he, I've seen by betraying innocent blood. And they, But their response here, they don't care about Judas. He's the least of their concern. They said, what is that to us? You see to it. Verse 5, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Um, you... You kind of despise Judas, and then you really get to really hate him because he betrays Christ. But almost towards the end here, you almost feel, at least for me, you almost feel bad for him because he realized what has happened. But he didn't. He doesn't seem, like Brother Patterson points out, it doesn't seem that he actually repented. He was sorry. It's like he felt like things got out of hand. He felt like Christ wasn't deserving of it, but then he just goes and kills himself. And what does that do? Well... Murder, including self-murder, which is suicide, is sinful, isn't it? Um, it doesn't end well for Judas, and how how sad it is uh, that these things transpired in such in such a way. But his character made him fit the person who was going to be 
who would do these things. His character, his traits, made him fit the bill of all of this, of the one who betrayed Christ and of the one who would not actually repent of it, who just felt bad, felt remorseful, but did not truly repent, and ends by hanging himself. Verse 6, But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It's not lawful to put them back and put them into the treasure because they are the price of blood. These guys, you know, there was a line in one of the Jurassic Park movies where the character said, Do you hear, do you hear yourself talk? And I think about this here in verse 6. Do you hear yourself talk? It is the price, they are the price of blood. Hello, yeah. Because you guys are out of your mind. They, they've lost all grasp of reality at this point. Uh, I mean, a long time ago, right? Because they denied Christ. They more than just denied Christ. They hate him with a fiery passion. Um, they pay Judas to betray him. Judas comes back later and says that he is, that, Christ is innocent. He doesn't deserve to be condemned, as we saw in verse 3. Uh, he says he betrayed innocent blood. He's innocent of all this. He shouldn't be put to death. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it, right? They, concerning his guilt and his what he felt about it, they said, well, that's your problem. And so he throws in the money, runs out, and hangs himself. Do they say, you know what, maybe we should maybe we should listen to him. Maybe uh, Judas was right. Maybe uh, we, should, we should have stopped him. No, none of that. None of that. Verse 6, what are they worried about? Well, what do we do with the money now? That's all they're worried about. And, and in reality, these men and Judas, in many ways, had a lot alike. Thought of, were a lot alike. Uh, their mindset, it was about the money. That's what put Judas in that situation, and that's where they are now. They're just concerned. They're only concerned about the money. Uh, they said they can't, they can't put it back into the treasure because they're the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Well, what did Acts 1, 18 and 19 say? You remember that? Acts 1, verse 19 says, And became known to all those in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. Um, and so what happened? That's basically the idea. It seems to be that's where Judas was put. Uh Falling headlong, he burst out in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Verse 18. This man per- now, this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. Well, did he did he literally purchase it? Well, it was his money, right? And they didn't they didn't basically they didn't take it back, so they used his money to purchase the field, right? Uh, and so what happens? That's where basically, you know, what happened in that field became known as the field of blood. It seems that that's probably where Judas was at. Um, Okay, looking next at verse 8, it says, Therefore they, the field has been called a field of blood to this day. Verse 9, Then, then was fulfilled was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, They took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him he was he was, he was priced, uh, whom, the, whom they of the children of Israel uh, priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. And so what, what happens? Well, they are fulfilling uh, prophecy. Jeremiah's prophecy there in verse 9. Um, this is actually also found, um, uh, this is found in Jeremiah 18.18 18 and Jeremiah 32.6. But perhaps it says, hint of these events. Um, it's, it's, it's attributed to Jeremiah, but it's quoted from Zechariah. Zechariah 11 verse 13. It says, And the Lord said to me, Cast it into, into the, to the potter field, a, a goodly price that I was 
prized as as of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the, to the potter in the house of the Lord. Um, and so prophecy says this is what's going to take place. The, the fields going to be purchased. It's going to be known as the field of blood, as we find there in Acts one eighteen and nineteen. Uh, again, it's sad that you find these things taking place for, for Judas, but you also, again, you can't help but see some similarities. These guys were only concerned about the money, and so, so was Judas for a long time. He, for a long time, he was only concerned about money. Uh, next year, in verses, let's see here, verses 11 through, excuse me, I may have this heading just all the way through to all the way through to verse 27. So, verse 11 through verse 26, uh, I have here Jesus is Jesus is questioned by the governor, uh, that is Pilate. This is also found in Mark 15 2 through 5, Luke 23 2 through 5, and John 18, excuse me, 29 through 38. Now we're just going to read Matthew's account here. It says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he, and while he is being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not a word, so the governor marveled greatly. So the only question Christ answers was, Are you, are you uh, the king of the Jews? And he says, It is as you, sh- as you say. But notice here in verse 12, he was, while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. I Means while they were accusing him of stuff, he just didn't say anything. That is a hard thing to 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 learn the power and the time, the power of quietness and the time to be quiet. Uh, one, if I'm honest, I'm still learning when to be quiet and when to speak up. Uh, Christ here just didn't say anything. Now we know, understand by prophecy that Christ was, uh, as Luke, as Isaiah 53 says, he who is he was silent as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened out his mouth. Uh, we found here that's what's happening. He just, he just didn't say anything. Uh, now, we know prophecy is one of the reasons why he didn't say anything, but also keep in mind, would it really matter what Christ said? No, it wouldn't matter at all. And then when Christ, or excuse me, when Peter, or, or Pilate rather, asked him again, and he says, do you, know how many, do you hear how many things they testify against you? And, and Christ doesn't say anything. Did Christ hear what they're saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, he heard what they were saying. But again, Christ was going to go to the cross. But if he was, nothing but this, if he was just an innocent man who they hated, who, who wasn't going to go to the if it was someone else besides Christ and who had all these guys accusing him, it almost gets to the point where you say, you know what, what's the point of him saying anything? Nobody's listening. When you think about it, a lot of the time of Christ doing preaching and teaching, there are a lot of people who, who did listen, obviously, because many were baptized, right? Uh, but there, And many who did follow him. You don't follow someone who you're not interested in listening to. Uh, but there's still a lot of people who did not listen. The problem with these individuals is they never listened. They don't want to listen. They just want Christ gone. And that was what's taking place here. Uh, verse 15 and following uh, 15 through uh, verse 26, you have here where the occasion where Barabbas is going to take the place of Christ. Now Luke's account, Luke 23, 13 through 25, reveals that Barabbas was one who was in prison because he he was one who stirred up a rebellion and he was a murderer. 
So he was a legit criminal. He he legitimately deserved to be there. Uh, he was a criminal. Now look at verse 15. Now the feast, not the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. That's an interesting custom, isn't it? Okay, who do you want me to let go? Well, they're all here for, you know, ideally they're all here because they're guilty, right? Doesn't mean there weren't some innocent men in there. He didn't deserve to be there. Or maybe deserve such a strong sentence, whatever it may be. But uh, verse 16 says, And at that time they had a notorious prisoner, which means he was well known. People knew who Barabbas was, called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to him, Who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called Christ. So think about this for a second. Um, Pilate is a coward in many ways, but he also seems at times maybe like he's trying to find a way to get Christ to be spared. Um, now we know he he eventually just caves because they they tell him, you know, well if you let this man go, you're not a friend of Caesar. Well, he didn't want to be an enemy of Caesar, so what does he do? He condemns Christ. Uh, he washes his hands for everybody, and he and he allows him to take Christ away. Um, but it's interesting that he, he, when he asks him who you want to meet to release, he doesn't go get some petty little thief. He goes and gets a murderer and brings up Barabbas and says, okay, you want this man who you can't find anything against, or do you want Barabbas, this guy who's been here for, for you know, stirring up a riot, and he was a murderer. So which one do you want released? Well, logically, you would say, well, the guy who you can't find anything against, you need to just let him go. Barabbas, he needs to be in here. Um, in verse 18, for he says, for he knew they had handed him over because of envy. Pilate had a lot of faults. There's no doubt about it. But he also had a lot of, he was very crafty in the sense that he knew why Jesus was there. Uh, he knew that, he says here, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. They didn't like Christ. Uh, they were envious of him. They were jealous of him. Crowds were following. People people were listening to him and not listening to them anymore. Uh, they they had been rebuked by Christ numerous times, um, called out on their on their you know hypocrisy, uh, on their on their on their falsehoods, uh, how they had made the law of God no effect by their tradition, all those types of things, and so they hated him, and. And here we find in verse 18, Pilate, who really hasn't been around Jesus, it seems, that long up until this point, and probably had had other experiences with the Jews and with the chief priests and these types of guys, probably picked, it seems like he picked up pretty soon that, hey, these guys just want him here because they're envious of him. And so what does he do? Bring up Barabbas. Let's see him pick Barabbas over Jesus. And they do. They do. And, and you know, we don't know what's going through Pilate's head. We get a little bit because of what he says here, um, but it seems like you you, you almost can picture Barabbas or Pilate sitting there going, "Really, you want this guy? You want you want Barabbas set free? The murderer, the person who stirred up a rebellion, uh, all kinds of things, right? Uh, I think Luke's account goes into a little bit more of. Let's see here. Um, find it <clears throat> rebellion and murder Luke 20 23-25 says that's why Barabbas was there um, Mark's account seems like one mentions another I think it seems like one mentioned him as a thief and 
Actually, if you look at Mark's account, Mark 15, looking at verse 7, and there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. So it's in the rebellion. Um, I don't know what rebellion that is off the top of my head. Uh, but he, him and his rebels are there. So Mark uh, brings up the fact that he's there with his rebels. <laughs> All these troublemakers, and he pulls up Barabbas and says, pick one, him or, him or Jesus, and they pick Jesus. It's insanity. It's complete insanity. Now, we're going to stop there because it is time. Uh, when we come back next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll pick up at Matthew chapter 27 um, in verse 18 because... I would like to finish out this segment, but there's a lot here. Like the very next verse, for instance, verse 19, we start talking about Pilate's wife having a dream about Jesus. Crazy, scary stuff. Um, and so there's a lot to, to think about and to discuss there. So we're going to stop there this morning. Next week, we'll pick up Matthew 27 and verse 19. I do thank you for being here with me today. Hope you enjoyed this study. I hope you join me again next time as we continue looking at uh, the book of Matthew. So we'll see you again next time. This program is brought to you by Bobway Media, overseen by the Ulagal Church of Christ in Ulagal, Oklahoma. You can find out more about Bobway Media by visiting us on our website, bobwaymedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and several other of the uh, social networks that are out there now as well. We hope you have enjoyed this program. We hope to see you again next time.